0: If you're interested, or if you're not already, um, set up with an automatic uh, giving uh, form. A lot of us are, are already in the habit of uh, just making like a monthly withdrawal from the bank account that's at a set amount. That really helps stabilize things for our church budget and helps us really predict and budget things. So if that's something you're interested in doing, please see me. I can give you that little form. We can set that up for you. It's really easy. Um, we're also going to pass the baskets, which Ryan has under control. Thank you, Ryan. and. Um, you know, of course, no pressure, um, but give according to your cheerfulness and what's in your heart. So, starting with the question, what is prayer? We got a bunch of really good, interesting responses. Um, I. I'm actually very encouraged and think, okay, well, wow, maybe you guys could just preach this sermon for me today. Okay, this is good. So uh, submitting ourselves to God's sovereign will, asking for favor and protection, talking with God, talking directly to God, worship, talking to God comes up a bunch. That's a really good one. Loving others, uh, getting things off my chest, connection with God, focusing thoughts towards God, communicating with God, connecting with God, opening our heart and listening. I really like that one. A conversation that feels one way but isn't. Okay, honest, that's good. Worship. Uh, Donya, would you scroll down a little bit so you can see? I think there might be a couple more answers down there. Oh, prayer emoji. Okay, there we go, that's good. Communication with divine, there you go. Nice, so lots of really good, I think, for the most part, totally accurate answers. This is really great to see this kind of a response. I do think that prayer is so many things. Um, prayer is so foundational to our relationship with Jesus. It's so very central to the work that we're doing in this community. And I, I just want us to kind of spend some time meditating and celebrating all the ways in which really healthy prayer culture is already happening in our church. And just think about and, and welcome the Holy Spirit to speak to us about ways that we can, we can add on more to an already very good thing. And find those rhythms of prayer that workforce in the stage of life that we're at, uh, as things have changed or are changing for so many of us, that really, when we are cultivating this love for God and this love for neighbors, the ma- one of the main ways, maybe perhaps the main way, that we cultivate that love for God is through prayer. It's through that time spent with Him. It's through that time opening our hearts to Him, through connecting with Him with by speaking to Him and listening to what He has to say. And so there are a lot of ways that we do this. Um, but I, I think it's important kind of as we start to, to consider all the ways that we do this that we understand that as we cultivate this love for God and neighbors, that these things are commingled, right? They're they're intertwined. That love for God and love for neighbors is is in many ways more like like two different flavors in a soup that sort of blend together and, and almost become one thing, uh, then it is like two different ingredients in a salad. And so we love God primarily through prayer, is sort of the paradigm that we're going to be looking at today. And the next week we'll talk about loving our neighbors through making disciples or through disciple-making. But prayer is definitely a very important part of making disciples. As, as is modeling discipleship and, and understanding who Jesus is, our, our own selves, and living a, a Jesus-shaped life with our neighbors. And so I just want us to understand that as we talk about prayer and making disciples over the next couple weeks, there's going to be a lot of overlap. It's not like you can do one without the other. And it's also not the case that we can love God without loving our neighbor. We'll even sh- see how that's true in the teaching of Jesus and what he primarily teaches us to do in prayer in the scripture that we'll look at here in a moment. But there are so many things that are already going on in our community that we participate in. One thing that we do to pray is to learn how to pray in community with the church. And I mean that uh, both contemporary and through the ages. That As we look at the scriptures and we, as we sing these songs, one way to understand them is as scripted prayers. That, if you will, when we're singing songs of worship, we're, we're singing prayers to God that others have prayed and that we pray in community and in unity, literally saying the same words as many other brothers and sisters in Christ throughout the world and, and throughout the church. Uh, that when we pray the Psalms, we do a very similar thing. When we, when we look to the scriptures and look at Jesus' prayer book, then when we look at the, the songs and the Psalms and the, and the written prayers of of Jesus' day, that he would have prayed to God, that we're in community with the people of God throughout the ages, and we we understand that to actually be a very healthy and good thing. Um, From that, we learn how to do things more creatively, how to pray what you might call an extemporaneous prayer or a, a creative prayer in the moment. We ask God for whatever it is that we feel like we should ask God for in that moment. Uh, I believe that's a good and, and proper way to experience prayer, and something that is already happening and very, very healthy and good that's happening in our community. Another way we experience prayer is, is in, is in a, a sense of, of silence and waiting before the Lord, right? and, and just appreciating the, the depth of that. Both is as, as part of our kind of Quaker heritage as a, as a Vineyard Church, and also the wider connection to catholic and eastern orthodox pr- traditions and, and older traditions of the church that really take time to spend time listening to god in a practice of silence can be a powerful powerful way to prayer pray i think we might even do that as part of today's teaching time um, but another way that we pray is 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 in these enacted prayers and i mentioned this during the service when we talked about communion that that in a way jesus set for us at least two very specific examples of ways um, to engage in prayer in sort of a physical manifestation. That if you will, when we engage in baptism, we're, we're, we're engaging in a sort of enacted prayer. We're sort of praying with the way that our body moves. We're saying we submit to this process of death to our old life as we're dunked under the water. As we go into the grave symbolically, we're saying we want to die to our old life. And then when we come out of the water, we're saying we want to be raised to new life in Christ. That's what baptism means. And, and by participating in that action and doing it in a public way, we, we give glory to God and we demonstrate in this very physical way our desire for God to have lordship over all of our life for our whole life to be completely transformed and changed by the love of God and and walking in obedience to him. When we take communion, we remember the physical act of Jesus' sacrifice, and in the breaking of the bread, we remember his body broken for us when we drink the wine or the grape juice in our case because we want to be a supportive community to anyone who's struggling with um, too much alcohol we experience uh, a a remembrance and a a physical reminder of how close Jesus is to us. When we take that spiritual food, we remember that he is the one who feeds us and feeds our souls. We are welcoming him into our very being, into our physical body. There's something beautiful about this symbol that Jesus has uh, shown us, And, uh, and it in many ways is a way to pray you think of it that way. And so when we look at this passage, when we look at Paul's words to this church in Ephesus, and he encourages us to pray with all kinds of prayers, I hope we'll be encouraged. He says to this this little church in, in the town of Ephesus, hoping and praying and under great pressure, he says, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. And so if you would, I'd like to invite you to do exactly what this passage of Scripture says and pray for me that I would declare the gospel fearlessly, as I should. Would you join me in praying for myself and for all of us? God, I just thank you for your word. It is so good. It is so good to hear your voice and to talk with you, to hear what you have to say to us and be changed by it. Lord, I pray that you would, with your grace, cover my words, that anything I say that's not from you would fall dead on the floor but that the words that come from your heart would speak encouragement and life into ours, myself included. God, would you speak to us powerfully as a community and call us into a deeper enjoyment with you and of you. I just ask for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So when Paul is writing to this church in Ephesus, he's writing to a church that's Under a spiritual sort of battle, uh, the the Temple of Artemis, which was a fertility goddess in the ancient world and um, still celebrated, I guess, by some kind of fringe uh, groups of people today, uh, was very central to the life of that city. Uh, The whole town was really kind of oriented around this economy that revolved around the Temple to Artemis that that was there in in Ephesus. And so when Paul's writing to this community, He's writing to people who are at odds with the power structures of their present evil age. And I think why the reason that this is so encouraging to me when I read these words is that we as the Church of Jesus Christ are still very much in a situation where, while we might be deceived by the seemingly uh, pro-Christian language of certain leaders Uh, are very much at odds with the power structures of our present evil age. And the encouragement from Paul and the saints throughout history under every empire and under every earthly government is the same. To pray in the Spirit on all kinds of occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And to be alert and to always keep on praying for the Lord's people. Now, when we see this sort of battle language that Paul uses to describe prayer in the previous verses leading up to this, when he talks about putting on the armor of God and, and taking your stand against the devil's schemes, we, we stand in community and, in, and, in, and uh, in, in solidarity with our brothers and sisters who come before us and the giants on whose shoulders we stand. And we find this in this kingdom paradigm, which of course most of us are familiar with at this point, right? So we understand when we pray that we are living in these already not yet days, right? We're living in this time between um, the the kingdom of darkness, which is this present evil age, and the future-coming kingdom when when all is made right, when all evil is judged, when there are no forest fires that are being lit by cruel capitalists burning the Amazon forest down, when there is no racism, when there is no xenophobia, when there is no hatred of brother and neighbor, when there is no wickedness, but only love and only justice and only the goodness of God and only people living in submission to God and ruling over creation, understanding who is truly the Lord of heaven and earth. There is a time coming, and it is breaking into our present existence, even though we have so many indications that it is not yet. We have so many reasons to long for that coming kingdom, to long for God to renew creation and to redeem the earth for his glory. And creation groans waiting for the sons of God, for the, for the daughters of God, for the people of God to be revealed and to welcome his coming kingdom into our present reality. And so when we pray, especially in this church, we pray with this understanding that we're welcoming that coming kingdom into our present existence and our present reality. And so because of that, we have the understanding that prayer is a dialogue, that it's not a monologue, that God is speaking into our community. And I was so encouraged to see that uh, theme through all the answers that, that everyone texted in this morning. You know, prayer is a conversation. Somebody, I think somebody said that prayer is a, is a two-way conversation, even if it doesn't feel that way sometimes, that God is speaking to us. And because the, the kingdom of God is both now and not yet, we understand that very well. We understand that sometimes we experience interference. We see as through a glass dimly. Uh, we, we don't always hear perfectly what God is speaking to us. Sometimes we're distracted by the 24-hour news cycle or by the pain in our own lives or by straight-up demonic interference. Um, you know, it, sometimes it can be hard to, to, to strip those things away, to break those attachments that hold us apart from God off and hear his voice. But nonetheless, the the Spirit of God continues to speak to us and is made available to us through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And so we are at any moment able to welcome the kingdom, to recognize the kingdom, to suddenly be able to see the kingdom of God at work in our midst and experience Jesus and all of his power and love directly Through prayer. And so we have this understanding that prayer is a dialogue, that it's not just us talking to God, but that God is also speaking to us. And so right now, just for a couple minutes, I'd like us to just practice this. I'm going to set a timer on my phone for two minutes, and I'd like for us to, as much as possible, kind of get comfortable. And if you fall asleep, that's okay. There's no condemnation, and if that's what your body really needs right now, then just enjoy it, all right? But let's try to find a posture where we can really focus. Um, I kind of like to, when I'm listening, I kind of like to put my hands up like this, like God's about to drop a present in my hands. Um, I find that that helps me receive what the Lord has to say, and so we're just going to practice this idea of listening to God two minutes, and just see what He says to us. So, Holy Spirit, I welcome you. Speak to us, Father. We long to hear you. Just as you more or less say amen, and yes, so be it, whatever God was speaking to you, maybe just take a minute to Take a few deep breaths, kind of wake up again. <laughs> kind of really come back to this. Maybe just take a minute. I don't know. If you, if you feel like God was saying something to you that it's important for you to remember, uh, feel free to check out of what I'm saying and just write that down real quick, okay? Because whatever God just said to you might be more important than whatever I think I'm supposed to say right now. I just I want to make room for the voice of the Lord to speak to us. And for us to take those words seriously and for them to shape our actions and our hearts, our minds, everything that we experience. And if maybe you're a little distracted or that was weird for you or whatever, uh, that's okay too, right? You know, it's now and not yet. And as we practice these things, hopefully we grow in them and we, we get better. But taking time to listen and hear God's voice is so foundational to the type of prayer and to the type of people that we want to be. And it's a very important process to engage in and practice to engage in in order to really learn what it means to follow God. Um, There's also just real power in being with Him, even if He doesn't say anything to you. And just enjoying Him for who He is in all of His weight and all of his glory. It's such a good practice, and I hope it's something that we'll engage in in our individual lives that are very busy and full, in addition to the times that we take to do that in community. Let's continue to listen to the Lord, it's important. I want to share for a few moments about something that I believe God is calling us into. As I was um, taking some time to pray over the, the next three to five years uh, for us as a church, and you know, the building question had kind of been in my mind, and having had that settled, knowing that we're going to be in this building for a while, we're going to worship the Lord here and, and make our stand here and grow here, I felt like God gave me a couple of pictures, and I'm going to share them to you with the full understanding that I am a very human person. I experience the same resistance that all of us experience, but this is what I believe God is saying to us. First, I believe that God showed me a picture of a computer and that that computer was kind of had like all kinds of windows open and there were all kinds of things going on, different, you know, like a, a couple Excel files and a, a YouTube video and there was like music playing from some window, but you couldn't find what it was because there were just so many windows open on the computer and there was maybe even some kind of a virus or something running in the background. And I felt like God didn't take the computer and throw it across the room, okay? but I did feel like God just reached his finger out and pushed the power button, turned it off, and then turned it back on. And I felt like this was a word about our community. I felt like this was a word about our church. And I take it as an encouraging word. I take it as a focusing word, as a, as, as a, as a sign of new life as a sign of something new that God is doing in our community. And that's not to say that everything that has happened before this moment is bad or or not good, but just that we as a people have maybe become a bit unfocused. And God is calling us back to a time of focus on what is basic, on the basic operating systems of a healthy operation, of a healthy consciousness, of a healthy program that's running, that's able to do things and accomplish work. And I feel like God is doing something in our community. And so that word, pay attention, that we saw in scripture, I believe that that is a word for our community right now. The invitation from God and the exhortation is to pay attention, to focus our attention on him. Here's the second part of what I felt like God showed me, and it was weird because it was like, Kind of had these two images at the same time. I believe that the second part makes it a little more encouraging. Uh, I saw a rocket taking off, and it and it happened in stages, right? That in order uh, with our current technology, the way that we understand how to get out of this atmosphere, rockets have stages, right? They they there are distinct moments and, and at the different parts of getting out of our atmosphere that take certain amounts of effort, and things change, and, and but there are clear delineations in the stages, all right? And I felt like God said that we are in the ignition stage right now, that what the Lord is calling us to is prayer and disciple-making, and that really prayer is the thing that lights the fire. It's the thing that ignites the inertia of movement that only God can make happen, and that If we fail to ignite, if we fail to pray, nothing will happen. (laughs) Now, I actually think that this is encouraging because it puts the onus on God to do things. I believe that our work, and I believe it is our work, is to pray. Our invitation and our responsibility in what is about to happen in our church is the small act relative to everything that God is going to do, of prayer. And that really, as we pray, a fire is ignited. That as we seek the Father, he will begin to build a massive force that throws things into a trajectory that moves a a massive piece of metal and hunk and steel into orbit, into outer space, to lift off, to defy gravity that God is that force that will, will drive, the, drive the engine and, and power the rocket towards liftoff, but our responsibility is to pray. And that as we pray, as we welcome His Spirit, as we listen to Him, and as we do this in community, that God will create movement and momentum. And that is, to me, very encouraging and a word of life, and word of inspiration to our community. I, I believe that there are stages that come after ignition, um, but right now we're in this ignition stage, and the ignition stage is largely about prayer. I think it's also about disciple-making because you can't really do those two things apart. They happen in tandem, and they happen in community, but the word of the Lord is to us to pray, and he will light the fire that will create movement. I think that's what we're about. I think that's where we are in our time of community. And so you might be wondering, well, Josh, that's great that you have this personal experience. How can I How can I believe that? How is that in any way something that I can be sure is from the Lord? And I do think that there is an element of risk in believing what I'm telling you. I do believe that there is an element of, well, does that seem like God or not? And When we come to the scriptures, I believe that this is how we stay grounded. I believe that it's true that the Bible, if you will, is our anchor. The Bible is our mission control. The Bible is the thing that keeps us from burning the house down. It keeps us from going off into the ditch. It's the rails that keep us on track, and it is the word of God throughout the ages that has grounded the church and kept the church faithful to the story of Jesus. And I just want to say that I think that it's really important that as we pray and as we listen to the Lord that we don't do this apart from Scripture, that, that we do this under Scripture. And I've, ma- I've made this silly analogy many times, but I want it to be so burned into our memory that we would never forget that everything that we do should look like this. It should look as though we are under the authority and teaching of the Scriptures. That it changes our minds, it changes the way we think, it changes what we do. That everything that we are about is informed by the inspiration of scripture. You want to take a picture? Go ahead. Go ahead. Post that all over social media. That's fantastic. All right. But everything that we do is grounded in the scriptures. This helps us keep the fire in the fireplace. That as the Holy Spirit speaks to us, as he moves, we want the power of that fire, but we don't want to burn down the forest. We don't want to burn down the building. We don't want to get burned ourselves. And this helps us keep ourselves grounded in the power of the supernatural without being injured, without causing destruction and pain. And so it's important for us to stay grounded in the scriptures as we pray and especially grounding and grounded in the teaching of Jesus. And here's what Jesus has to say about prayer. He says that when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen. By others, Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. There we go. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. your sins and so these practices that we are familiar with in this community of confession and forgiveness this is central to the work that we do in prayer that's so much of what we have to do and so much of in making disciples and being disciples in community together and and loving our neighbors revolves around these practices of confessing our own sins and forgiving the sins that are committed against us So much of the work that we have to do in prayer is these two things. It is central to our connection with God, and it is central to the work of being free from the pain and from the suffering that is caused by a world that is completely marred by sin. And I I think this applies on all kinds of levels. It applies to the government. You know, if you find yourself raging against the the kings and the princes of this present evil age, there's an invitation from God to, to turn those people over to his judgment and release them from your own court of judgment, to find the freedom that comes from forgiving. And by that, I don't mean saying it's okay. I don't mean pretending that real sin isn't happening, but we're saying, cast your enemies upon the mercy and judgment of God because he is so much more worthy and capable of offering those people the judgment that they deserve, as well as the mercy that they deserve. That we forgive our enemies and love our enemies in a radical way through forgiveness, and that happens in prayer. And as we do that, we find the freedom and the the responsibility and become aware of the sin in our own heart become aware of our own need for forgiveness and we confess those things to Jesus. He is faithful to forgive when we confess our sins. And in that receiving of forgiveness and in the freedom that comes from confession, we find a deep community with God that is transforming and life-changing that helps us turn from sin and turn towards righteousness as modeled by Jesus Christ. And these things don't happen in a, in a solitary vacuum. These things don't happen just one person by themselves. I believe that, that just like anything else that we learn, that learning any new habit, new habits of prayer, deeper habits of prayer, deeper understanding of what prayer is and how to practice it, it happens in community. It happens with other people showing us the way. The community of the saints and all the witnesses throughout history that we find in Scripture and as we read about the heroes of our faith who have come before us, books and, you know, other sermons, hopefully, sometimes, some of the things I say, right? You know, uh, like, that, that in community with others is how we learn, that we, we learn this, at, at the very least, in relationship with a teacher, as students, right? But also as we pass it on, there's, there's a kind of cognitive demand and, and a, a type of learning that happens as we give it away that teaches us in a, in a deep way that, that requires us to have a, an internal knowledge of these practices and of anything that we learn. And so prayer starts in community. The same way that my son is learning to play soccer on a soccer team. We learn to pray in prayer teams. We learn to pray in community, and it's from that community experience that we then can go and practice on our own. But to to make progress, to, to grow, to be challenged, to be sharpened, to be confronted and taken into a place that's deeper, we find that in community first and then go into greater depth on personal study, and practice on our own. I believe that that's just the way that people learn and how it works. I believe that's actually the model that we find in both the New Testament and throughout church history. And this is why prayer and disciple-making are so intertwined. It has to happen in community for us to grow and for us to become better and for us to excel in praying and to find the the inspiration and the support that we need in order to pray continually, in order to have more firm and steady habits of prayer that begins in community and then it grows into our individual lives. And so part of our call to a response this morning is something very practical. And here's what we're going to try this week. You'll know whether or not you've done this or not. And I want to say right now, if this doesn't happen, if you try and you fail, or if you don't try, but you try next week, or you never try, then there's grace, okay? There's grace upon grace upon grace. There's there's no condemnation, but I want to be very clear about what I'm asking us to do this week. I want everyone here to try to connect with two people, all right? So that means if you're married then you're going to have to commit, connect with at least one person you're not married to, right? Okay, so, so try to connect with two other people, so groups of three, and then find or make time to pray with those people for a period of time of 15 minutes or less, two times this week. That's what we're trying to do, Okay ideally in this church, but if you can loop somebody else in, that's a really good question. So Lacey, do they have to be in this church? Uh, I I really just want you to pray. Uh, I think it would be great if it was a person in this church, but if if not, then uh, also feel free to include others. That's wonderful. But what we're trying to do is we're trying to build a habit where we as a community support and encourage each other in prayer. Let me describe what I believe this activity looks like. I believe we'll follow the format of the Lord's Prayer, that we start by praising God. Hallowed be your name. We worship the Lord. And then we ask for God's kingdom to come. We say, you know, God, help us with this. Give us what we need. Help us to welcome your leadership into this area or that area of our lives. Uh, Forgive us for the ways that we haven't paid attention to you or that we haven't Done what you've called us to do or that we did exactly what you told us not to do. And Lord, help us to forgive. And we do forgive. We put these people who've hurt us into your court of judgment rather than our own. We forgive them and then protect us from the work of the enemy who's very real. And only you can save us from, from that enemy, God. That we follow that, that pattern of the Lord's prayer. And 15 minutes... This is a stand-up prayer meeting, okay? This is, we're not getting together to have a good gossip about our other Christian friends. We're not getting together to talk and chit-chat. We're getting together to pray. We're getting together to hear the word of the Lord, and keeping it to 15 minutes means that we can do this. This is small enough time commitment that it's possible. Now, I want to offer something for people who say, yeah, I don't know how I'm gonna make that work, or I don't know if I can't make a connection. I'm going to be hosting two Zoom calls this week, and if you don't know what Zoom is, it's a little program. You click on a link, and suddenly you're having a video conversation with somebody. It's wonderful, amazing technology to enjoy, and this uh, amazing time to be alive when we have all kinds of wonderful, uh, adv- ad- like just amazing tech at our at our fingertips, and a lot of it free, including um, this Zoom call. On, at noon on Tuesday and Thursday this week, I'll be hosting a Zoom meeting. And if you want to practice this then, uh, I invite you to participate in that. There are two Facebook events on the church Facebook page. You can find the Zoom link there. Or if you replied on your uh, connection card that, hey, I want to pray on Tuesday and Thursday, I'll make sure to email you or uh, text you the link so that you can participate. If your phone has a selfie camera on it, you can you can probably participate on it if you have internet access if you have a computer with a screen you can participate that way you can also call in and just have the audio over the phone for a Zoom meeting it's a very useful tool but i just think that we have the ability and we have the heart to pursue god together in community and i believe that as we find new rhythms of prayer, and as we pray together in community, that God will ignite something in our hearts that, that keeps us warm, that keeps us motivated, that keeps us alive to his voice and to his activity in our hearts. And that as we troubleshoot this, as we try to do this, as we try and fail and tweak and try some more and fail a little bit, and oh, that worked, let's try that some more, okay? And then as we work this out in community, I believe that God will show up. And I believe that as we pray together, he will hear our voice. He will he will hear what we want him to do for us and he will respond. I believe that that is how revival happens. I believe that is how salvations happen. I believe that is how healings and prophetic movements and All kinds of things happened that when the believers were all together in one accord praying in the power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit came on them in power. That when we come together as a community and plead with God, there's something that pleases his heart so deeply about that activity that he responds and he pours himself out on us. And we've seen it in this community. We've seen that time and again, that as we have prayed, the Lord has heard our prayers and come through for us. And I believe that this is another time. I believe that this is the beginning of a new time when God begins to do that. And that he is inviting us to creatively problem solve around our busy schedules with all of the resources at our disposal, to find community, and to find that prayer in a meaningful way. And now we're going to pray. Would you stand? So, as you know, this is the time that we take to pray for one another. And uh, I hope you also know that... um, if the specific things that I'm calling out and the prophetic words that I'm, I'm speaking to you don't exactly hit, but you you feel the desire to pray and you want God to bless something or you you know that there's an issue that you need prayer about, please just come up and get prayer. That's why we're here. It's so important to the life of our community that we pray with and for each other. Um, one person was praying and saw this. They saw a person walking on a road paved with many things in their busy life. And from their heart came tentacles that picked up bricks uh, and placed them around their heart. But then they oriented their heart to God and those tentacles disintegrated, became a beam of light connecting them to God and the bricks went back to they belong, to where they belonged, uh, which is under their feet. Um, so that's kind of a cool picture. I want that to happen to me. Man, somebody pray for me about that. That's great. Uh, I also get the sense that maybe some of us, when we bring up the, con- the, the the topic of prayer, that some of us are tempted to only think of all the ways in which we aren't doing this, that some of us are tempted to just embrace a sense of shame or a sense of guilt or a sense of I'm not good enough or I'm, I don't pray enough or I'm not... and. And I believe that that is not the Father's heart to you. That the Father's heart to you is, Hey, I love you, and I love spending time with you. Come and be with me. And so if that speaks to you, please come receive that that welcome from Jesus. I believe that's available for us this morning. Um, So let's pray.